This is Matt Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Ag Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Kuhn, and we'll have updates from Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Union officials and representatives of the railroads are meeting on a daily basis over Zoom to discuss the current labor dispute. One union official said these meetings typically are only lasting 15 minutes at a time. No progress has been made in the negotiations. Without a deal, a strike or work stoppage could begin by December 9th. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre said President Biden is participating in the negotiations. I don't want to get into details at this time, but he has been involved. He remains focused, again, on protecting America's families. We have to avoid uh, a rail shutdown. It will harm, again, families, businesses, and farms. And so we're, we're going to continue to, to, to speak uh, to this. The White House is calling on all parties to get together to resolve the issue. Eight unions have ratified the tentative contract. Four unions rejected the deal. If a strike happens, all the unions have promised not to cross a picket line. The Federal Open Market Committee will release the minutes from its early November meeting this afternoon. After four consecutive interest rate hikes of 75 basis points, many analysts expect the Fed to go with a 50 point basis point increase in December. The minutes will be scrutinized for some direction on interest rates. The United States, European Union, and other G7 nations are proposing a cap on Russian oil prices. The limit could be anywhere from 60 to 70 bucks per barrel. That action is being taken to sanction Russia for its invasion into Ukraine. The new price limit is expected to be in place by the 5th of December. USDA announced a 45-day extension of the comment period for the Packers and Stockyards Act. National Cattlemen's Beef Association Senior Director of Government Affairs, Tanner Beimer, uh, says this ruling only benefits one section of livestock producers. We are looking at a, a rulemaking that looks to bifurcate producers into different groups. And we're going to treat different groups of producers differently based upon their market accessibilities and, and other factors as well. And so I think the biggest concern we have at this point is making sure that USDA understands that we are trying to walk a very delicate line. I think we all admire the, the desire of the department to take a good hard look at the industry and the marketplace to make sure that there is fairness. Uh, but I think that there are a lot of arrangements to this regulation that the department is not thinking through entirely. And Bamer says the ultimate goal is to prevent government overreach. Well, I think, first of all, we'd like to see them tap the brakes. You know, like I said, there are there are a lot of things to consider. There are quite literally decades of legislative, judicial and regulatory history associated with this effort. And we would like for them to take a pause, engage with stakeholders, figure out where some of the blind spots may be in this rule before they proceed with some sort of finalization process. You know, ultimately what we would like to see is something that is reflective of the original intent of the Packers and Stockyards and not an overreach by this department trying to assert themselves into the daily operations of the market. The DFL will control the governor's office, House and Senate in the upcoming Minnesota legislative session. With the Democrats having a slim one-vote majority in the Senate, incoming minority leader Mark Johnson 
believes the Republican caucus will need to be proactive. We're going to have to become uh, more proactive in getting the policies that we want to see in Minnesota Ag. Put that in the forefront, making sure that they see that day in and day out. I think we've got some really good ideas, some ways to partner with them. Um, But what that looks like at this point, I'm not exactly sure. We'll have to see what their agenda is in, in the agriculture market. Johnson, who is based in East Grand Forks, is worried about the potential regulatory impact on agriculture. You saw some of the the mandates and things, whether it was fertilizing spreading, you know, the, the uh, feedlot issues, things like that. Uh, they'll have full control in building the policy around that. That really concerns me what that looks like in this state. We've been able for six years to really fight back and hold off a lot of those those issues. Now the floodgates are kind of open, um, holding, hoping to hold them accountable to some of the actions, keep them reasonable. Uh, but I'm really scared for what that looks like for our, for our aid industry. Minnesota Senate Minority Leader Mark Johnson. Just a reminder, look for the Red River Farm Network next week at the Northern Ag Expo in Fargo. Have a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. New Jersey Senator Cory Booker has introduced a bill targeting large-scale livestock operations. The proposal would require packers, processors, and farmers to register their businesses with USDA, submit a disaster preparedness plan, and pay for disaster mitigation. The bill also calls for more humane treatment of downed animals or those being depopulated due to a disease. Booker is a member of the Senate Ag Committee and has proposed similar bills in the past. The drought spans across the region, encompassing many areas with dry conditions. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more on that story. The lack of moisture this fall caused pasture conditions to dry out quicker than expected. NDSU Extension Livestock Environmental Stewardship Specialist Miranda Meehan says the biggest thing now is management. We can't control precipitation, obviously. I wish we could. But looking at how did the, how are how are those pastures managed? What what did they look like going into winter? Um, and if you're winter grazing too, being aware of the level of use that you're grazing those pastures too. Um, we found last year with pastures that received severe use, so greater than 80% use, that we had up to a 57% reduction in forage production on those pastures this year. If we graze those plants too hard, that it's going to delay growth in the spring because those plants are going to have to start a new tiller, and that tiller will take a couple weeks to develop. And Meehan says pasture conditions are very variable across the state. From what I've heard, and also just where a lot of our pastures are in that poor to fair condition, so meaning they probably got hit a little hard during this fall, um, especially with that our fall drought, um, which grazing a little heavier in that in the combination with the fall drought is going to stress those tillers, making them more susceptible to dying off over the winter, um, and so just knowing that our, most of our pastures in the state are in that poor to fair range right now. Makes, makes them at a higher risk of having some impacts um, that would potentially reduce forage production in the spring. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. The incoming chair of the Minnesota Senate Ag Committee, Eric Putman, is looking forward to working on a few key issues. I have spent a fair amount of time over the past couple of years talking about soil and water, and I think that's something that's really important for agriculture, but it's also important for everybody. Something else, I'm a teacher, so um, I'm really interested in finding ways to help young people get more involved in the land, 
more involved in agriculture. That's uh, that's something I'm really excited about working on. Uh, you know, and uh, one other thing that's really important that's also within the jurisdiction of this committee is uh, rural development and broadband. Uh, and so I think we're finally going to actually take care of that fundamental need for broadband for the whole state. I think when you start treating uh, broadband like utility and make sure that every single corner of the state has great access to it. Putman is from St. Cloud and was elected for his second term. Basis bids at the six regional grain elevators followed by the Red River Farm Network are starting to show some improvement. The corn basis improved by a dime at Minot, North Dakota. It was uh, up by 15 cents at Grebner, South Dakota. Corn basis ranges from 15 to 40 cents under the December futures contract. The soybean basis ranges from 10 cents over to 50 cents under the January contract. The spring wheat basis ranges from 15 cents to 75 cents under the December futures contract. Grain markets will close at their normal time today, won't reopen until 8.30 Friday morning. Martinson Ag Risk Management President Randy Martin Martinson expects a quiet Friday trade. I guess I'm looking for a, another session like we're seeing today. I think it'll be fairly quiet unless we get some export news, which is unlikely. But I think next week is when we could start to see this market uh, explode a little bit more, especially if weather continues to be dry in the U.S. Southern Plains and we continue to see issues in Argentina. And Martinson thinks supply will become a bigger market factor as we move through December. We're going to have to start looking at uh, you know supplies or, or availability of grain. And right now, you know, the plains, you know, all the way from North Dakota all the way down into Texas, we're short corn, and basis levels are showing it. And I think that's going to continue to help. Uh, support the corn market at least until we know where our acres could possibly fall. Chinese consumer spending declined last month and the government's COVID-19 lockdowns are being blamed. It looks like China's pullback in retail spending may extend into a fourth year. China remains the number one market for U.S. agriculture and food products. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Turkey dinner costs are increasing. Here's Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman. The American Farm Bureau Federation conducted their annual survey showing that the cost of the average turkey dinner has risen 20% over last year's cost. AFBF international trade and resource economist Veronica Nye says several factors impacted the historical increase. This is the biggest jump we've had year over year. We saw a 21% increase in the price of turkey relative to last year. A lot of things contributing to that, high feed costs, high pathavian influenza, and, and frankly, all of farmers' input costs are going up across the board. You look at what's going on with diesel prices, with fertilizer prices, there's no escaping that 7.7% increase in inflation. I think it's important as we think about those input cost increase that, you know, it's not farmers who are making out oh, well here. We're seeing such elevated increase in, in input costs that on net, farmers really aren't any better off this year than they were last year. Nye also says that despite the devastating impacts to those directly affected by highly pathogenic avian influenza, impact on overall supply was minimal. On the individual farmer level, the amount of time it takes once a barn is depopulated for it to come back into production. So for that individual farmer, that's a big deal. Overall, we saw turkey production in the U.S., USDA is estimating that's going to be about down about 2% this year relative to last year. So while those individual impacts are significant and it's 
uh, it's hard to recover for an individual producer. Uh, you know, sort of at large, we saw production not decline quite as much uh, because we were looking at a little bit heavier birds. Uh, so the total amount of poundage uh, was, didn't decline as much. Reporting agriculture's business on the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. The U.S. Senate Agriculture Committee will hold a hearing on the 1st of December to consider the recent bankruptcy of a major cryptocurrency exchange, FTX, filed for bankruptcy on November 11th. As we checked markets this morning, we're down a quarter penny for the spring wheat, the D's contract at 945 and three quarters, March down one and a quarter. Chicago wheat, that same contract, the D's contract down four and a half at 787. Hard red winter wheat, December down by six cents. D's corn, a penny higher, 657 and three quarters. March gains a penny as well. Soybeans down two cents for January. 1427 and three quarters, March at 1434 and a half. That's down by two cents as well. As we check in on the farm calendar, the Minnesota Canola Symposium will be held Thursday, December 1. That'll be held at the Roseau Community Center. In South Dakota, the Ag Horizons Conference is coming to Pierre, South Dakota, November 30th and the 1st of December. They'll be at the Ramcota River Center talking about everything from economics and farm management to weed control and soil and water quality. Also, as we look into the farm calendar, American Crystal Sugar Company and the Red River Valley Sugar Beet Growers Association having their joint annual meeting. It'll be held on Thursday, December 1. Fargo is the uh, location. This year's annual meeting theme is Root It in Purpose. Have a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.